0: Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and yes, I'm back. Relatively back to normal. Although, for the real normal, I think that's going to take a few more weeks. But I'm good enough, I'm well enough to be behind a microphone. And I want to welcome all of you back, and I want to especially thank you for your patience, for your support for your kindness during the time that I was sick and also I want to thank my P- uh, Patreon community over at patreon.com/fatheradric um that it was very valuable for me to have that uh, small community on uh, on the discord server uh so I you know w- had daily encouragements that was very cool uh so thank you also so much for your support if you're a you're a patron so i am finally well enough to record a show and don't worry i wouldn't do this if i couldn't uh i've i've really learned to listen to my body over the past two weeks and i've been very miserable for two weeks i'm not gonna lie this was this was a horrible experience. Um, I'm not out of the woods yet, but this is the first day since I got COVID-19 that I feel that I'm, I'm on the mend. This is the beginning of the, the way back. And uh, one of the first things I wanted to do was to kind of reconnect with you, with the community, uh, because that is part of what gives me joy, what gives me energy, what makes me feel useful as well. I mean, I've I've been completely out of uh, uh, how would you say that out of, out of the world for two weeks, and and that's frustrating. Um, th- the simplest things that you normally would take for granted is is what you miss the most when you're sick. Just being able to order takeaway Chinese, for instance, or eat a pizza. Oh my gosh, I've been craving pizza. Multiple times, and I, 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 can't get to it. I, I, So I've been eating healthy for two weeks, um, and for one week, I didn't even had, I didn't even have a, a sense of smell or taste. So I was just, I was just eating with my brain. I was like, I, I need to eat what's good for me, but I'm not tasting anything. I'm just, I might as well have, have be, be chewing cardboard. Would taste the same. Uh, it's the weirdest thing. But it also takes away a lot of the joy of, you know, the simple things. Uh, not being able to go outside. How much I've longed for a for a walk, let alone a run, you know. I don't think I'll be able to run for a while <laughs> because I'm still recovering. And COVID has sometimes very long, lingering effects, so I... Um, I'm already kind of preparing myself for for a very slow uh, uh, return to normality. And maybe, you know, maybe I'll just have to stick with, with walking or, or biking. Um, but f- for now, I s- I'm still in isolation. I can't even leave the house. I'm still coughing. Uh, I haven't finished my um, uh, my medication yet, so the doctor gave me uh, antibiotics because she suspected that I had uh, pneumonia or a bronchitis or some kind of bacterial infection. Um, so I still have, how many days do I have to go through? Uh, these pills are ginormous. They're like, oh, they're at- atomic bombs. One, two, three, that's one day, another day, and then... Two more. Okay, so in three days, I'll be done with this. And hopefully that'll be enough to uh, get rid of the coughing. If of course the coughing was caused by pneumonia or by a bacterial infection, that would be actually the best because COVID can also completely destroy your lungs as well as other organs as well. That's the scariest thing of this virus. You don't know what it's doing. It's there, you know it, there's no cure. There's no remedy, there's no vaccine, um, there are only very limited things that you can do uh, to help your body fight this. But the best thing that can happen of course is that your Im- immune system gets the upper hand. <clears throat> but it can also go completely haywire and there are lots of stories on the internet which I stopped reading at after a while because it, it just scared me. <laughs> Uh, but it, this virus can completely destroy you from the inside out. And you only know it when it's too late. That's the, that's the worst. You know, there are stories from people feeling perfectly all right. And then an hour later, they would be in intensive care. Um, so I've, I've had a, a lot of anxiety over the past few weeks, especially after the first week when things were not improving, but were getting worse. And then uh, there was this one morning when I was coughing up blood, that's that's like the, I panic there like I'm gonna die I don't want to die please God <laughs> but uh, well I'm not gonna apologize for having been afraid uh, of course there's there's this undercurrent current of, of faith you know what what can ultimately happen we all have to die one day and uh, you know one of the comforting things of, of having faith is that you know that even death cannot really separate you from the love of God, but there's still a lot of things on my list that I'd rather do before dying, um, so I'm I'm very glad that today, uh, it seems like, you know, the, the healing process is, has really started, and has kicked in, um, and it's very strange, I, I have no proof of that, of course, but it's just something that you feel, like for two weeks, every day, I was like, oh... The virus is still there, and uh, it, it is—you know—I'm getting nowhere. Whereas today, I'm like, okay, I'm winning this. I'm starting to win this, and I don't know if it's true, but I've—I've uh, I've gone through some rough times before. I've had—I've been sick multiple weeks. I've had uh, recurring kidney problems, of course, and. All sorts of other. I've, I've had severe cases of bronchitis. I've had pneumonia when I was in Rome. Um, so I, I, I kind of know my the signals of my body, and I, I also know when the, the the light turns green and when my body tells me, "Hey, I'm I'm on to this." You know, don't worry anymore. You're going to be good. So that's that's kind of what I've, I'm feeling right now. Let's hope, let's hope that that I'm right. And with that, I just don't want to linger too much on the situation. If you want to have a m- more uh, detailed uh, rundown of what happened over the past two weeks, uh, I invite you to go listen to the latest episode of The Walk, which I recorded uh, about two hours ago in the bloody rain outside. I, I just stepped outside. I was like, I'm going to make a small walk in the, in the backyard. And then it just starts pouring down. Oh, So, anyway, uh, if you want to have a lot of water effects, uh, just listen to that episode of The Walk, and uh, I'll tell you more than you want to know about uh, how sick I was. Uh, But for now, I'm just going to go through the motions of this show. It's also a way for me to tell myself, hey, we're getting back to normal. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby taken your first step into a larger world. One of the ways in which I tried to kill time, when especially during the night, was by listening to, uh, to the radio. Now, of course, I only listen to the radio digitally. And in my country, we're such a small country, so there is only news uh, usually around morning hours. So that's from 6 till 8. And there's a lot of repetition because they're working with small crews. And then uh, in the evening, it's usually between five and seven. And then you get sports, which I absolutely loathe and hate and don't want to listen to. <laughs> so for the rest of the day, it, where am I going to get my news? Podcasts, uh, of course, are usually my uh, uh, you know, a great source of entertainment and, and information. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have to, 24 hours to kill and... Uh, You know, I only have a limited amount of podcasts that I can listen to, especially nowadays with all these advertisements. Oh my goodness, I wish there was an automatic way to kill the advertisements in podcasts. Especially if you listen to podcasting all day long, you're like, oh, come on, not again. I've heard this commercial 50,000 times today. And they, they all use the same sponsors and say, oh, man. I, I'll promise you, you will never hear advertisements on this show because I hate advertisements myself. Anyway, so but even even my podcast list was very quickly depleted. Um, I couldn't really listen to audiobooks. I, I was too sick for that and too uh, too tired. Um, so thanks to a VPN, uh, which is a what is it virtual. Private network, so it's a basically a data tunnel um, which connects to a server in another part of the world. I could circumvent the uh, region restrictions of uh, TuneIn. And TuneIn is a is a radio, an online radio program or an app that I have on my iPad. Um, and normally you can't listen to American radio stations. So you, you click on a news station, and it will tell you um that it's not available in my region in my area of the world but thanks to VPN I could connect to servers in the US so I was able to listen to uh some of those online 24-hour radio stations um and that for some reason was uh was strangely comforting that even though you you know that you're sick and you can't participate in the world at least you from day to day I was able to follow what was happening um, and I don't think I've ever followed the news this closely uh, f- as, as I did in the past two weeks. Now, sometimes even that would get boring because, you know, how much the news in the United States is currently uh, dominated uh, by, by the, the uh, upcoming election and by every single uh, move that the political players make or don't make. Or seem to make, or ugh. so. After a, after a couple of days, I was like, okay, I need to take a break and listen to the BBC. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wait a minute, there are other places in the world. There's more happening than just you know, Biden versus versus Trump, uh, which is which is really uh, uh, <laughs> helpful to realize. And that's another thing that um, this this Obligatory retreat uh, has has caused is that it, it helped me relativize the things that were going on. Like I'm so focused on getting better, and and all of a sudden you know that what what the only thing that matters is that you can go go back to work. It's so strange. Uh, I, I want to be there for you again. I want to be able to. Uh, to live a normal life, to be there for my parishioners. And all the rest, all the small stuff, I, I couldn't care less anymore. Um, and and even my kind of my tolerance for uh, the, the petty stuff that I sometimes caught, got caught up with myself, you know, a little trouble in the parish and, you know, uh, the things that, that irritate me... Um, when, when you're sick like this, you're like, oh why did I even bother? Uh, why why worry about these stupid little things? You know who cares? It's not going to change the world either way. It doesn't really matter. So what I want to do is go back to the important things and make sure that my life counts and that I, that I use the time and the health that I've been given so that I make a difference if I spent my time worrying or fighting or uh, getting upset about about things that, I, that, that are not the way I want them to be, then how is that going to help me? How is that going to change the world or my life or the life of the people that I love? So I, I hope this is going to last, but I think that I feel more uh, ready to just look at the broad picture from now on, and I don't, really don't want to caught up, get, I don't want to get caught up again in the small stuff, it's just not worth it, it doesn't matter, and, uh, when you're kind of fighting for your life, which sounds a bit melodramatic, but in a certain way, you know, this, this virus could have, could have taken me down, I, I realize that all the time, that, uh, you know, there, there has, has never been a guarantee that, that my symptoms would just be mild, uh, this could could have gone completely wrong. You know, would would these small things still matter? No, of course not. And so f- I hope that from now on I can look at the world and at my life and its situation uh, from that point of view of, you know, let's only focus on, on what truly matters. All right, with that, it is time to take a look at the world of movies and TV shows. One of the things that you always... Imagine yourself when you fall ill. Is oh, i finally stuck at home for a good reason. I don't have to feel guilty about not working. I can now just sit in front of the TV and and binge watch Netflix day after day. Um, and you know I'm sick, so I'm just gonna take advantage of it. I <laughs> do not like movies. They're predictable. Like. The guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. But the thing is, every time you, f- you fall ill, every time I get the flu, every time I have an infection, uh, the, the last thing you want to do is watch TV. Because you, you can't, uh, you're, you're too sick. And so instead you lay in bed and, and look at the ceiling. That's basically what I've been doing for, for two weeks now. And there were only a few moments at the weirdest times that I had the energy to go watch some Netflix. And usually it was just a half an hour show, small things. I haven't watched any movies just because I, I couldn't make it through. Um, even sitting sitting up up straight was was too hard sometimes. Just sitting on a chair. Uh, same thing with video games. Barely. I thought I'm going to be gaming for two weeks. Woohoo! Well, no, I couldn't even think of of playing a video game. I got the new Star Wars Squadrons, squadrons game. I was like like my intellectual me the the one disconnected from reality is like, Oh, I'm just gonna level up for two weeks. I have nothing else to do and i I couldn't even find the energy to 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 launch it on my computer. it's like oh i I have no energy for this so i did but I did watch a few uh shows that that helps me uh, during this time uh one is uh, the Big Bang Theory. Uh, that's a perfect bite-sized type of television uh, that made me laugh, that helped me forget uh, ab- about the headaches, about the fever. And so Big Bang Theory has really been almost a daily companion for, uh, for uh, these two, uh, two weeks. And it made me realize how much laughter and humor is beneficial it, it it's genuinely made me feel better every time i watched an episode and uh, there's also something about uh you know the, the, the little petty problems like the things that are going on in that world it, it helps you to also relativize your own your own situation um yeah i just love 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 the big bang theory i'm uh, i'm i'm Making my way through the seasons, I still have about four or five seasons to go. Um, and I'm going through it slowly because I just want to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, but what a, what a great show that is and so funny. And still still relevant. I think in a couple of years from now, a lot of the jokes will be probably difficult to understand because the context of the world has changed. But uh, there's still a lot that I, that I can laugh about, uh, especially now that they're kind of in the, t- in the time... This was recorded, for instance, when Game of Thrones was on television and stuff. And they're like, oh, God, that's just recent history. Uh, if, you, if you go back now and watch Friends or Cheers, that, that feels really old. Because, well, it's, it's, it's a lot older than the Big Bang Theory. Um, but the, 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 the human interaction between the characters on the Big Bang Theory, I think that's something that will always stay funny. It's like The Office. Um, uh, it it there's it doesn't age it doesn't age too much because it's all about, you know the the friendship and you know the situations, the relational situations. Um, I also enjoyed watching the most of season one of Avatar, the last Airbender. I was really surprised how much that show changes uh, halfway through the season from something clearly geared towards kids to a much darker, much more serious story with a lot of good life lessons. Um, And I'm amazed to see how, even in the first season, that show is getting to maturity and is keeping me hooked. And now I definitely want to go through the entire series as well as The Legend of Korra, which is kind of a sequel uh, to the the story uh, many years later. And I've heard that it's equally good. So uh, still have a lot of episodes to go. But I also enjoyed that. I also enjoyed kind of the, uh, the storytelling. This is very much the kind of uh, storytelling that I like. It's entertaining, but there's also depth. There is also a certain morality to the story. There, there's things to discover, to learn. Um, so in, in that sense, it's more of a fairy tale, uh, just like Star Wars is. Um speaking of which of course a lot of people that are involved in Avatar the Last Airbender later on uh, joined Lucasfilm and 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 worked on on the various animated series there so um you you can tell that there is similarity in in storytelling uh watch one episode of Rick and Morty uh, the other day uh and I know how much of a cult following that series has but f- to me it's still it's, I I've never really been a fan. Um there there's there something nihilistic about that show that I don't like. Something well, just, just this idea of morality and what's what's what can we learn from this? That's completely absent in Rick and Morty. Um so especially the character of Rick is off putting to me. Um a very very self-centered guy and I don't know, it's d- even the humor is a bit uh too too strange. It's just not my thing. Uh although you know it is very well produced and but it, it really doesn't work for me. I, I mean I'm it's definitely it's never going to be one of my very favorite series. I apologize to all the fans of Rick and Morty out there. And then uh, one uh, other series that I've been... Well, binge-watching is a big word, but that I've been watching quite a bit is the second season of Ozark. And, oh, that series is dark. That is so dark. Um, in in some ways, it does remind me a bit of uh, Breaking Bad, how... You know that show was also going downhill more and more, and it started to really get dark. A lot of gruesomeness. But, uh, Ozark doesn't have the humor. actually doesn't have any humor at all. No, not that I I'm, tr- I'm trying to find like, is there any example of something funny? There is not. It's all very gloomy and dark. It's extremely well produced, extremely well written, extremely well acted. And you kind of care for the protagonists of the story. And at the same time, it is just an ongoing list of of wrong moral choices. And uh, so they circle down, they spiral down. There is they always try to fix something by doing something else wrong uh, hoping that that will get them out of the previous situation but of course evil only generates more evil so the more they sin the more they they forget about what's truly moral the worse the situation gets and so there are times that i have to stop that series like there's this one episode it's not it's not a, a spoiler or anything there is the daughter of the family steals something. And then the moment she steals something, I am like, I'm stopping this. Like, oh, here we go again. Why do you do that? Why do you steal it? You know that this is going to hurt everyone. This is going to have major consequences. Just like anything that these kids do in the series, they follow the example of their parents. Um, and because their parents are... Constantly justifying their own actions by, by telling themselves that they do it to survive, to protect the family, the, the morality of everything gets so murky that they don't know what is m- the moral thing to do anymore. And so the kids don't have a compass, they don't have examples anymore. And uh, even the representatives of the law are also completely immoral. So there is, and that's the hard thing of Ozark. There are no good people in that series. That's hard to watch from from time to time. And at the same time, what makes it compelling is you still want a resolution. You still want some... That this family survives and that they, in some way or another, get out of that terrible situation. But every episode shows you more and more dumb choices that they make. Uh. And and the 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 series, and, and and that that makes me think a lot is is, is presenting it from the point of view that uh, choosing to do morally objectionable things is sometimes the only thing you can do. If you have to choose between your family getting killed by you know those drug cartels or killing someone yourself, well. Let's do the latter because we don't want to get killed. Um, so but it's it, it's it never shows you a a moral way out. Um, and that is maybe sometimes the reality in certain situations, but you still would love to see something happening in that series that gives you a little bit of a oh, so but there is a different way to to deal with situations like this. Um I've always looked at these as, uh, stories like these as, as very remote from reality, um, especially if you work as a priest in the church and you're like, oh my gosh, are people really that bad? I, I tend to have a very optimistic view on, on, about people's behavior. And I'm always shocked when I see real evil. Um, uh, but then again, it's, uh, <laughs> you sometimes hear these stories from like like just not so long ago in the Vatican, this cardinal who was basically kicked out by Pope Francis because of his financial uh, uh, machinations—how would you classify them? So he's basically doing all sorts of uh, financial trickery to benefit his own family, and, uh, and there are even rumors that he wired money to Australia to influence the um, process against uh, Cardinal Pell, because Cardinal Pell was on to him. Um, now, of course, all that still needs to be examined, but these are s- things that even Dan Brown didn't come up with. And you're like, how, how can you work in the Vatican as a cardinal and celebrate Mass and, and encounter people that ask for your blessing when you do stuff like that? And, and of course it, it, all this will still need to be proven um, and you have to presume that someone is innocent uh, until proven guilty but the fact that Pope Francis kicked him out and, and, and robbed him from his rights as a cardinal I don't think that, that anyone would do that without sufficient proof that, uh, that there is something completely wrong here and having lived for two years in, in Rome I know that uh, there is a lot uh going on in that church that doesn't uh uh that that, that you, you well that wouldn't survive the light of day. Um the crisis in the Catholic Church doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes from within. And there uh, there is uh, a, a lot of corruption on the inside. Uh on on the local level, just this, this, sto- this story the other day of this priest. Have you heard about that? A, a priest that has been ordained in 2013 who was caught in a church performing sexual acts on the altar with two women uh, and filming everything. I mean, it's like... That is so... Outrageous, so evil. You really wonder: is this just normal deprivation? <laughs> is this just someone who's lost his mind, uh, or or is there something worse? Is this just? It's di- almost diabolical. I mean, I'm I'm not one of those people who immediately will, will will blame the devil for everything because sometimes that can also detract from our own responsibility but this, sometimes this, the things that you see in the church you're like, "How do you explain that how how is um how can people get to that point um uh, there is definitely collaboration with you know an evil spirit or something that is the, the, the sometimes the evil is just too much for for a regular person to 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 do to commit to. It's so, these are such strange times. And uh, on the other hand, you always have to keep in mind that that th- the truth will always prevail. Uh, God will always prevail. The, the gates of hell will not win over the church. That's a promise from Jesus himself. So uh, we should never lose hope, nor should we ever judge the the church on the basis of what some of its members do wrong uh just as there were 12 apostles and one was a traitor but the other 11 have given their lives for the church and for Jesus so you know the it's 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 interesting that god apparently permits sometimes uh allows evil to to go about its its uh, its evil work uh, within the church, but maybe it is because it it keeps us awake. It, it helps us to be alert. It helps us to be to stay humble also, and to always realize that no matter how dark the situation is, it can never be an excuse to act morally wrong yourself. That is prob- probably why I'm sometimes so disturbed by uh by ozark is um it, it uh, often the storytellers present you with a situation that you can you can only conclude that you know doing the evil thing is is the be- is the least of the of of the terrible things that you could do but of course you can you can never reach something good by doing something wrong uh that 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 is always morally impossible or should be impossible. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my beef with Ozark. There doesn't seem to be much hope in that series. All right, enough of that. Uh, what else can we talk about? Uh, let's visit a peculiar bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock! We're a peculiar bunch. We're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? I'm seeing quite a bit of discussion in the chat about this priest who's been caught in the church with his depravity. So I may talk <laughs> a little bit more about it. You guys it. got more crazy rules than Blockbuster videos. The legitimate question, of course, that a lot of you are asking is, how could it happen that this guy um, has ever been ordained? We're not talking about someone who was ordained like 40 years ago. Uh, and over a duration of a life, a lot can happen. People can lose their, their uh, initial vocation. They can betray their vocation. Things in life can happen to them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But this is a young priest. He was ordained six or seven years ago. Uh, this was after the, the scandals in the church, church broke loose. What was he thinking? My question would be to the bishop and to the diocese, and to the seminary where this guy went, is uh, How did he get through the selection? Why did you not see this behavior? This this kind of behavior never just appears. This is not just one wrong choice uh, or one stupid decision. This this is of a of a gravity that that betrays, I think, uh, a pretty messed up mind. Um, and so. Uh, something that I've seen, and I can only, of course, talk about my own experience, is that in some dioceses, they've been way too eager to ordain young men to the priesthood. Um, Sometimes the number of seminarians can also be problematic. If you have a lot of seminarians, I don't know about this particular diocese, but I've heard that they actually... You know, still are thriving. It's a Catholic diocese diocese with a lot of Catholics. So probably also quite a few vocations. Because the numbers are so high, it's much easier to kind of hide in the crowd and to pretend uh, being a good seminarian and just go with the flow, you know. Um, and then if you have a diocese that is eager to give hope to parishioners by saying, hey, we're going to have new priests, and there's this ongoing influx of, of of young men that will serve the church, if you combine that with a, an attitude in a diocese where um, people idealize priests, and I've sometimes been shocked when I visited the United States to see how still, even after the huge... Abuse crisis in the American Church. How often Catholics in, in America still have this tendency of of canonizing their priest? The way that I was sometimes treated with veneration, with respect, I, it made me feel so uncomfortable because it's so misplaced. It is absolutely not required. <laughs> Actually, there. Are, there are there are many many uh, ways in which jesus always tries to avoid any type of 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 adoration of himself or his followers where he he wants to be a slave he wants to humble himself as much as possible so where did we get that from this attitude it's a very clerical attitude and and maybe it from an, from the outside it may look as something virtuous, you know. Uh, Cherish your priests and uh, take good care of them and talk about them with respect. But sometimes I think you can also go too far. Like I remember, and this is something that I've actually had, uh, well, not really fights, but really felt uncomfortable when my friends over at SQPN and the the community of, of podcast listeners and fans if I would meet them uh, during a conference, everybody would call me father, 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 father. I was like, hey, just call me Roderick, you know, like my Star Wars friends. There's a huge difference. I, I, Before I did podcasting, I was very big into the Star Wars scene. And so a lot of my friends in the U.S. first were not Catholic and only knew me as Rod. Everybody would call me Rod, probably a play on, you know, Golden Rod. For my Star Wars friends, whenever I went to the U.S., it was like, "Hey Rod, it's good to see you." Even after I was ordained, or actually, I had already been ordained, but it was still Rod, and it makes made me feel just normal, and uh, and I know that they they respected my choices uh, to be a priest, etc. But then I I got into this Catholic world, in this Catholic um, subculture around the podcasts, and. And it was like father, father. Like even friends that I worked with every single day that were my age, um, that I looked up to, would still call me father. And I was like, well, "Please call me Roderick." No, 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 no. We can't do that. No, 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 no. That's just not respectful. I, it just freaked me out. Honestly, that's just not the the way we we treat priests uh, here in the Netherlands. Even. There's been a time that we would even call the bishop by his first name. Now, I don't advocate that. Um, but it, it, there is a sense of... Uh, of course you have to respect the, the function. There is, there is a representative function of a priest. Like I'm hoping to bring the person of Christ closer to the people. So whatever respect people have for me shouldn't be for me as a person it should be for me as somewhat well as someone who is bringing them Christ so it's Christ who deserves to be respected i'm just a vessel i'm just an instrument a representative who knows very well every morning when he looks in the mirror that he's not up to the task that he's not worthy of the work that he does as a priest so if people put me on a pedestal and start treating me without having merited it, without having deserved it, as if I were a saint, it makes me feel very uncomfortable and also puts me on alert. I'm thinking, like, this should never go to, go to my, my head. Uh, th- 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 there, is, there is no reason, I think, to put priests on a pedestal, and especially in, in these clerical cultures, in, in, in North America. It can also give uh, certain priests the, f- the idea that they cannot make mistakes, that they, they're invincible, they, they can get away with everything. Um, this, this entire culture can make the church much less self-critical, less humble. And I've always had a incredible... How would you say that? I feel very uncomfortable and even irritated when I see sometimes these young North American priests parading in in Rome. That's where I encounter them the most. In their cassocks, uh, with their, their old-fashioned hats and everything, and uh, trying to get the best chapel to... Say their masses in Latin, and a lot of it. If you look at the, their shoes, you know they're like not regular shoes, but it's all super expensive stuff. They wear watches of gold and diamonds and everything, and it's like, oh, give me a break. We're not supposed to parade like that. We're not supposed to put ourselves <clears throat> forward as these superheroes because it's all fake. It's All fake. There is no priest without sin. And the ones that tell you that they are, are the biggest sinners. They're liars. (laughs) So there is no reason for any priest to feel better than anyone. But what if someone has been to confession and is in a state of grace? Well, especially those will, will know that they have to be humble. And that they have to keep their their eyes on the ground because they, they have confessed their sins. They have, they have made explicit how little what they, what they are to other people is their own merit. I wish that the Catholic Church would be more aware of that. And uh, you sometimes see the consequences of what happens when these young priests are... Put on a pedestal, and have no one who tells them, uh, "Hey, Jimmy, or, or 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 Mark, or whatever his name is," and not not, "Oh, Father, may I suggest that?" No, just, "Hey, Jimmy, I've seen that you're very uncomfortable about around women, that you make sexist jokes, that you you wear you buy all this expensive stuff, and you parade around like." you know model from Prada what are you doing what's going on in your life if 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 there's no one around that will confront priests with their behavior then you get this this split personality you get some people that that will start to live a life of projection they want the world to to treat them with gloves you know Oh, this priest is so holy and saint. But in their behavior, you see the disdain. You see their... Oh, I, I still keep seeing this image of this priest in Rome. The last time I was there, I was walking around in his cassock. And had this this trimmed beard, you know. it's like not a regular beard, but th- this beard where... To have a beard like that, you have to spend at least two hours a day fiddling around to have a beard like that, um, a, a ring around his finger, you know, one of those big chunky rings, uh, a, a uh, the sombrero hat you know, the, this looks completely ridiculous. No one in Italy walks around like that. And, and I see him walking towards me in the street. And I'm thinking, Father Roderick, don't judge. He's a fellow priest. You're just going to give him a smile and say hello. So that's what I did. I said, hello, Father. And just the, the way he looked at me, this disdain, this, this, huh, who are you to address me like this? And I felt so humiliated. And at the same time, I was like, dude, there is something seriously wrong with you. And then the next day, I encounter him again. And he sees me. And He, he moves to the other side of the street. And I'm like, what the heck, dude? What the heck, really? <laughs> and and that's just—I've seen so many examples. I've known a lot of young priests that have left the priesthood. Uh, and just recently, there was a, a priest that I know very well who who uh, I think completely betrayed his vocation and betrayed ev- betrayed everyone. Have it play, you know, living a double life for probably multiple years, and I. I Constantly, I have sometimes I have this feeling, this this sixth sense, where I feel there is something not completely right with with uh, certain priests. And I re- I remember watching a live stream of a mass by this guy, and I I'm thinking, I don't know what there there is something there's something wrong, and I can't put my finger on it, but there's something not genuine here. And I don't know what it is. And then a few months later, we get the note. We get the news that he uh, he wants to leave the priesthood. And then I Google and go back and see that uh, in previous interviews he has uh, uh, expressed his his questions about celibacy and thinking, oh, the signs were so obvious. He should have never been ordained. I mean, that was clear as glass. I s- I think that that Catholic Church should always put the 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 well-being not not just of of the of the flock but also of the person that they that the church is about to ordain first never ordain someone just because you want to have more priests just because there is such a need of priests always look at that person from all sides over a long period of time. Don't brush off uh, signs uh, that, that something is wrong, thinking, oh, well, you know, he will learn and he will mature. Uh, if you ordain someone, that person really has to be, uh, be balanced, uh, not show any signs of, 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 of fakery, um, and the only way I think you can <clears throat> detect that is you have, if you have a very genuine uh, relationship with priests, uh, a, a relationship built on trust where someone can't get away with just faking it. And, and I think that sometimes that will require a totally different way of organizing seminaries with much more... attention for human sciences, psychology, sociology, with different people judging candidates, not just men, not just priests, not just bishops. Why is it that in some seminaries it is forbidden for women to be on the premises unless they're above 65 years old? That is a fact in the Netherlands. I know that there are seminaries that have that rule. I mean that's insane. That's completely insane. And then they're surprised that people leave the priesthood all of a sudden. And I'm thinking, what do you mean, all of a sudden? Like, I I've felt that there was something wrong. Am I the only one? Probably not. But no one dares to say anything because eh, father, father this, father that. Let's get real. The world is tough and dangerous. And the job of being a priest requires honesty, humility, uh, a very good awareness of where what your flaws are, and also uh, the freedom, the inner freedom, to talk about that with people that you trust. If those parameters are not there, then disaster is going to happen. Um, how can criminals get to the top in the Vatican? It can only be if there is an environment that is willing to cover it up, that is willing to look the other way. I'm personally very glad that Pope Francis doesn't look away. Um, I think that popes in the past have done that way too much. It's one of the big points of criticism... To uh, Pope John Paul II, he must have known that some people were 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 cheating, were uh, were were criminally involved in 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 all sorts of uh, things, but he chose to do nothing. I don't think that we can look away anymore. (laughs) The damage is too great, and the challenge of leading. In, in the world that we currently have, is too is too great as well. Our world is in distress, doesn't know where to go, even doesn't really sometimes believe anymore that, poli- that politicians can help, <laughs> that their vote matters. The church needs to lead, but it, it needs first to heal itself. Because you can only lead if you follow the example of of jesus who who leads us and unless you follow in his footsteps and 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 are humble like he was humble only then can you mean something to the world and otherwise why bother why become a priest? that's the biggest question that i have for for guys like the one in the news why did you let yourself be ordained if this was going on in your life why you could have done so many other things with with your life. Or, maybe that was the problem. Maybe there was no alternative. Maybe you were in student debt, because, I don't know, sometimes they have to pay for their own formation. Maybe they would never get through the rounds in any other type of formation. Maybe the church was a safe haven where they could hide, and they could lead this double life. But... That can only happen if there is an environment that condones it and allows it to happen. And so, a one priest who sins and falls off the, off the bandwagon is always a sign of, of something more systemic that is going on and that should be corrected. So it's not enough to punish the priest and to burn the altar like the bishop did. That is outside. Of course, you have to make a statement, but... The much more important thing to do is to go and look at your own seminary and ask yourself, how, how was this allowed to happen? Why didn't we catch this earlier on? It says something about formation. It also says something about the way this priest has probably been aband- abandoned after being ordained. Just some random thoughts. I know I've been on my soapbox, but uh, this gets under my skin, as you can tell. <laughs> All right, do I have anything more optimistic to talk about? I'd, I'd love to give you a review of Fratelli Tutti, the new encyclical letter of Pope Francis, but I haven't had the energy yet to read it, so you'll, you'll keep that. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that for you in, in, in one of the future episodes. Um, let's quickly talk about, about stories. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night, the packet, the extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Well, I didn't do much reading. I did. I did read some some comics though, uh, and I will review uh, a specific series that I never thought I would enjoy: um, Marvel's Modok. I'll review that on. Um, Father Roderick to the Max, um, I have a reason for that. But uh, I did not continue any of my, uh, of my current books. Uh, so I'm so far behind on my reading list for 2020. I, I, I don't think I'm ever gonna catch up. Um, but I did discover a function of my Google device, which has really helped me when I was sick. And that is uh, Google Bedtime Stories. So, I did not know that this existed, but uh, like sometimes when I'm bored and I'm just laying in bed and feeling miserable, I just try out stuff. I ask my Google Home uh, to, you know, tell me a story or a joke. The jokes are very lame, they're really dad jokes. But then I was like, at one point, I couldn't get to sleep. And so I ask my Google device, tell me a bedtime story. And lo and behold, as I'm really taken aback by this, you've got this wonderful series of bedtime stories that are read by a professional... This is not just a computer voice telling you this story. This is a professional voice artist reading you a fairy tale. And it's, it's a huge collection of, fa- of, of stories, and they're wonderfully told. The thing is, they're just boring enough to get you to sleep. So at first I was listening with the wrong mindset. I was thinking, "Oh, there's going to be this hilarious twist at the end," and then I don't even remember how the story ends. So there's this one story of uh, the uh, the king and the geese, and so there once was a king, and blah blah blah, and it just goes on and on and on. And you're like, "Okay, there's going to be something with a geese, and where he's going to turn into a a bird or whatever," and then and and that's why. The king had geese. Okay, <laughs> uh, what was the point of this story? But it's told in such a way that you keep listening, and it's got this really uh, fairy tale vibe to it. Um, but the stories themselves are usually quite inconsequential, and I don't know, just a little bit vague. <laughs> uh, but it, that's probably exactly what they, these stories are supposed to do with you, or when you're—they're geared towards kids. So it's probably just to, to replace the f- moms and dads that don't have time to read their kids a, a bedtime story. But it made me think back of, of one of my cherished childhood memories where my brother and I would share the, the attic. Uh, we would have beds both sides of the attic. Um, very romantic in a way because the attic was not yet isolated. So it was a wooden, wooden roof, slanted roof. If it was raining, you would hear the the rain on the on 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 the outside uh, of the roof, the roof tiles, and against the window. And there also wasn't a window in that part of the of the attic, so it was kind of a kind of a darker place. And uh, my mom would usually sit on the bed of me or my brother, and would read us a fairy tale. Uh, I still have the fairy tale book uh, that she would read from, and. Uh, we would both have our favorite fairy tales that we wanted to hear. Um, and sometimes the fairy tales were a little bit too difficult to follow, so we would fall asleep very quickly. But I, I, I always cherish that, that idea. And I don't even know if it happened a lot, but the, the times that my mom read as a bedtime story uh, were very precious to me. I think my father also sometimes told us stories, but he would just make them up. And then he never really knew where the story was going, but that was totally my dad. So he, he'd start this story and then I caught up in it, and it would make him laugh, and we wouldn't even follow anymore. <laughs> my mom, uh, usually didn't have much imagination. Well, she maybe she had, but she wasn't a very good storyteller. Um, uh, maybe that's a little bit too negative, but my, my dad was always a bit outlandish in his humor, in his uh, imagination. My mom was the opposite. She was very serious. Um, So she would read us these fairy tales. And, uh, of course, one of the fairy tales that we heard a lot was the fairy tale of the princess um, and the pea. So she'd she'd, uh, lay on this bed made out of a hundred mattresses and she would still not sleep because of the... This one green pea that was hidden underneath the the, uh, uh, the the first mattress, and that's when everybody discovered that she was a real princess only a real princess would would feel that um, s- simple stories like that I, we love them and so having this little Google device reading me similar stories is a joy and again helps me also to uh, forget about. Uh, about my current situation and uh, ha- there is something soothing about it something that reconnects you with your childhood and and has an f- almost physical effect on how I feel so highly recommend it. try it out <laughs> try, just ask for read me a bedtime story and see what the story is that uh, that Google will come up with it's just of those one of these great things of, of new technology. All right. With that, one more topic, and then we're going to wrap things up. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device, and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Better. Well. All your technology stuff just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. Technology. I, I kind of regret it, getting this uh, uh, Chinese uh, smartwatch. Or it's not really a smartwatch, it's just a step counter. Because um, I remember uh, debating w- whether to get this one. This, this was super cheap, it was 20 bucks or something, 25 bucks. Or to get the slightly more advanced one that it would have uh, a, an oxygen saturation uh, chip or, or, or meter. And I'm thinking, okay, well, well, I just need my heartbeat. I need something to count my steps, something that uh, can just record the vitals. And, and it's been very useful, especially for my heartbeat, because that I, ha- I have a, a good overview over the past two weeks. Uh, and my heartbeat is actually much higher than it used to be. So it's a sign my heart has to work harder to pump the blood around, probably because the oxygen level of my blood is a bit lower than normal. But uh, I didn't see much use for an oxymeter. I'm not sure if that's the term, but uh, now I regret it because it would have been very reassuring to be able to measure the amount of oxygen in my blood because it's one of the things that if it goes below 90%, you really have to be careful and maybe you know call, call your doctor or get to a hospital. And so not being able to measure that myself was a bit frustrating and the doctor didn't want to come over to, uh, to measure it uh, herself. So I've kind of been in the dark about my oxygen levels. I ordered um, a new one. I explained this in the walk as well uh, the other day. And it said on the website that it would be delivered the next day. Yesterday, nothing came in. Today, nothing came in. And I was like, ah, should have ordered it at Amazon. At least they, they notify you when, uh, when they can't deliver And some of these Dutch companies, like these old fashioned stores, this is a store chain that has now also got uh, online shopping, but they're just not, it's not in their system. So their customer support is terrible. I was on the phone for half an hour, and the only thing that the lady ultimately ended up doing was to call the store where it should have been delivered that day. And then she called me back and said, well, it's not there. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Well, there's nothing we can do. You just have to wait until it's there. Yeah, duh. Did I have to spend listening to elevator music for half an hour just to hear something I could have done myself? Just call the store? Uh, Anyway. Goes to show that uh, running an online business is not for everyone. <laughs> so uh, hopefully it will arrive tomorrow, or one of these days, preferably before I get better by myself. Because um, <laughs> what good is it to meet my blood oxygen saturation in my blood when I'm feeling quite all right? <laughs> oh well, it is. Uh, it, fortunately, I'm I'm doing well and I'm on the mend. So hopefully the purchase will be unnecessary. (laughs) I'll just keep it in case I get sick once more, which I hope will never happen again. I hope that's also the same for you. Don't get COVID. I can tell you on the basis of uh, these past two weeks, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. So stay healthy. Thanks for listening and see you next week.